the Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. And sitting in for Mr. Leach for the second straight Wednesday, yours truly, Dick Gabriel, with you. Glad to have you along. Mr. Leach, I hope, is somewhere celebrating his birthday. Happy birthday to the voice of the Wildcats, although not a happy evening last night. He and Mike Pratt called the action as the Wildcats fell to Ole Miss. We'll talk about that today with Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws and 247 Sports, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And by now, it, it, it's a bit of a broken record, isn't it? it? It's not that it's not that they lost and that it got away in the final minutes. It's how did it happen this time? You hate to be so cynical, but it's just been a pattern for this team. And as many football coaches now say, you are what your record says you are. This time last week, we were excited about the fact that it looked like this team was was really beginning to develop into something that uh, a team that could go on and and make a run through the SEC tournament. But back-to-back losses now, and the Wildcats are locked into the quarterfinals. Eight and 15 overall, seven and nine in the SEC. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be rough. And they, they just can't quite overcome the problems that they have. So... Uh, this, of course, part of Wildcat News of the Day from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Uh, Kentucky now locked into the Thursday game. That's the quarterfinal round in the SEC tournament next week in Nashville. They finish up road play with a record of 4-6. and six, And <clears throat> even though the Wildcats still lead the overall series, they're 108-14 and 14 against Ole Miss. That is absolute dominance. 29-11 and 11 now down in Oxford. But unfortunately, that loss snapped an 11-game U.K. winning streak in the series, which was including four games in Ole Miss, four straight wins at Mississippi. But, of course, Ole Miss was laying in wait for the Wildcats, although um, I was really impressed with the way Kentucky moved the ball against the Ole Miss defense. I thought Kentucky was well-prepared. I thought it played with great purpose on offense, but it just couldn't hit. Took some bad shots, no question. Brandon Boston, bless his heart, he is really pressing right now. Uh, One of nine on the night, one of six from beyond the arc. It's like he's trying to will this team to victory. Uh, You know, you can't fault the effort, but he's just, it's it's just not happening for him. He did have three assists and a steal, but uh, just terrible. Devin Askew struggling again, played nearly 18 minutes, got up one shot. Had zero assists, one turnover, one rebound. The first numbers I go to right now, anytime Kentucky plays now, is Isaiah Jackson because he is obviously the key to this team. Devin, uh, rather, Davion Mintz has been big, but you know, last night he struggled three of ten. All three were three pointers. He did have eight assists, which was outstanding, obviously, in ten points. But Jackson right now is the spine of this team. He had 13 points. Only three rebounds, and that to me is where the game was lost because Kentucky finished with only 28 boards. Keon Brooks had had an incredible night, 16 points, eight boards. Otherwise, the rest of the team got 20. 
Jacob Toppin at five. Uh, Ole Miss, 42 boards. Romello White, K.J. Buffin had 10 each. And Buffin only played 24 minutes. He was in foul trouble. Fouled out with four and a half to play. So 11 of those boards were on the offensive end. And it just seemed like every time Kentucky needed an offensive rebound. On the other hand, Ole Miss only got seven second-chance points. But when you break it down, go to the free-throw line where the Wildcats had been money. Last night, 15-25. to 25. It happened again. Only seven turnovers. So you're beating on the boards. You've got a cold shooting night. And you're bad at the free-throw line. And still, you only lose only... 70-62, and it was much closer than that, I think you'll agree, toward the end. So it just, uh, well, just one of those nights. So anyhow, um, other news to report, better news to report. Uh, Kentucky ends up with a big win last night for baseball, knocked off EKU by a final of 6-3. to three. Great bullpen work for the Wildcats. Cole Daniels uh, had a career night for the Wildcats, and Sean Harney, Got his first save as a Wildcat. So uh, Kentucky now 5-0 and in baseball. Softball team rolling. School record 14 straight wins to open the season. Uh, the softball team is in Boca Raton, Florida this weekend to face off against four different teams in the Florida Atlantic University Parents Weekend Invitational. Wildcats will play six games over four days, starting with a doubleheader against Pittsburgh and FAU. <clears throat> this is the most wins, as I said, to open the season in school history. The last record was 12. Uh, that Actually, they, spent, they uh, set that last weekend. So Kentucky is ranked third, or is the third highest ranked team in the SEC behind Alabama and Florida. The Cats are ranked 10th or 11th, depending on what poll you favor. As I said, coming up, Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws and 247 Sports. And Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, if you would like to weigh in, uh, I don't have access, obviously, to Tom's Twitter account, but you can reach me at BigBlueInsider1. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Leach Report. Look for The Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats. And a reminder that guests on the Leach Report come to you on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline. And that's where we find Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws and 247 Sports. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. Once again, we are talking about another one that got away from the Wildcats. And as I mentioned earlier, Chris, it's now just a matter of, you know, how did it happen this time? Uh, the culprit, which I think was a little bit surprising, uh, free throws, uh, and Kentucky's defense fairly good, but once again the Wildcats go cold at the worst possible time. Does this pretty much signal, in your opinion, not to be putting words in your mouth, but the death knell for this team? Because this time last week they looked like a ball club that could really make a run in the SEC tournament. So which which are we to believe? Yeah, I go back to this, and, and maybe this is giving this team too much credit, but two weeks ago they go to Tennessee, they pound the Vols yeah. in probably you know one of their best all-around games of the season. They won three in a row. All of a sudden the Texas A&M game gets postponed, 
They have a week before the Florida game, and then they come out against Florida and look like a completely different team. I don't know how much that week off changed things, but it, it almost felt like you could feel the air go out of the balloon when they lost to Florida on Saturday. And they've just looked like a completely different ball club than the one we saw uh, during the, the three straight wins, which was, which I thought was, was really impressive. And it looked like they were on the cusp of, you know, really starting to put something, uh, together. But, you know, last night they come out, they have no energy, no juice, no toughness. They get out rebounded by 14. And then, like you said, they leave 10 points, uh, 10 very crucial points at the free throw line. And I think all of that comes down to, to toughness. I mean, Yes, you know, shooting is a skill and, and you have to be skilled to, to shoot, you know, free throws and things like that. But to me, free throws, especially late in games, it just comes down to toughness. And this team just didn't have it last night. No, you're right. And I'm wondering as well about the fact that Ole Miss mixed its defenses. But you know Kermit Davis likes to play zone. And I thought Kentucky was ready for it. I thought the ball movement was good. But uh, shooting, once again, was a problem. And Kentucky didn't respond well to the zone played by Florida, uh, and it just seems like a lot of the problems, Chris, it's so late in the season to be struggling with that. Yeah, there's there's one game left, and so I'm not sure Kentucky's going to turn it around no. on any of their woes that have plagued them this season. But, but, yeah, we saw it against Florida. We saw it against Ole Miss where, you know, they throw kind of a jump defense at you or a three-quarter court press or a half-court trap that takes some of the, you know, valuable seconds off the shot clock. And then before you know it, Kentucky's, you know, trying to rush a shot with seven or eight seconds left on the shot clock. And that's an area where they've just been absolutely atrocious this season. And it's because they don't have guards that can create in, you know, in, in short clock situations. And so um, that plagued them again last night, the, the perimeter shooting, which had been better, uh, went by the wayside again. And, you know, it, it's it's really been the same thing all season long. It feels like Groundhog Day. Yep. This team does some good things. They do some bad things. They have a chance to win. And more often than not, they don't. That's basically been uh, the story of, of, of this season. You're exactly right. And things start to change when the ball starts to go in the basket. And I always say that made shots are very forgiving. You know, they cover a lot of ills. Uh, but that's what the name of the game's all about, of course. And when they weren't hitting, and of course they came out cold last night. But again, you got to give them credit for starting. So they what did they they missed eighteen of their first twenty three shots, and yet at one point took the lead. So I guess what I'm saying is you can't you can't fault the effort, but it's just not happening. Yeah, this team just has too many problems to try and and correct and. It, it, they're all interconnected, you know, with with each other. That's that's the problem, and you don't have guards that that can that can create. And as we've said before, John Calipari's offensive have have always been predicated on guys that can beat their man off the dribble yep. and, and create something for themselves or for others. And they don't have that. And you saw John Calipari experiment with Davion Mintz at the point last night, and he had some success. He had ten mm-hmm. points and. Uh, eight assists. I think yeah. that was a career high, even going back to his days uh, at, at, at Creighton. But when you do that, you 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 take away one of your best shooters off the ball, and you take away one of your best scorers if you're counting on him to create shots for. 
for other guys. And then you have BJ Boston, who, you know, was showing signs of life there for a while. He's come, you know, crashing back down to earth here in the last handful of games. And, uh, like we said, there's just too many problems to, to try and correct, especially this late in the season. And it, at times it just felt like John Calipari has been mashing the, the controller, the, the buttons on the <laughs> controller trying to, to figure out something that works for this team. Yep. More with Chris Fisher when we come back. You're listening to the Leach Report. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach. We're talking with Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws at 247 Sports via the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline and chris as i mentioned uh, the sec tournament's coming up uh, i think most people have lost all hope when it comes to kentucky in that event let me look ahead to next year with you and i know we, we've talked a lot about that as well but um it's going to be interesting to see how calipari recruits and what the makeup of this roster next year who may come back who might leave for a number of reasons i mean he may be looking once again it's starting over. Very well could be. It, as with every, the end of every Kentucky basketball season, it's going to be a real crapshoot as to who stays and who goes. There could be some guys that stick around that maybe you didn't anticipate. And I think, as always, there's going to be guys that depart that come as a surprise as well. And so uh, I think there are some – solid pieces to work around depending on on who comes back i think kentucky is going to be solidified in the front court you have to think isaiah jackson will jump at the chance of of being a a projected lottery pick after uh this season but with oscar shibway and 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 damian collins that's a, a really really solid uh front court to to build around uh a lot of uh shot blocking and and rim protection and and links and athleticism there and um but if you're Kentucky I don't think you can go into next season without adding a dynamic playmaker at yep. point guard whether that's in the form of a Hunter Salas or a Jaden Hardy or uh you know if you miss on those guys you you hit the transfer market uh, Xavier Johnson from Pitt is is a name that I'm I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Average 14 points and almost six assists per game for Pitt this season, and and hit the portal uh, a couple weeks ago. But you can't go into next season, even if Davion Mintz comes back, you can't go into next season with Davion Mintz and Devin Askew as your only point guard options. That, that just that just can't happen. Devin Askew says he's here for the duration, for the long haul, whatever whatever it takes, I'm paraphrasing, for him to become the player that he wants to be. And as we all know, he should be a high school senior right now. And he's one of those guys who looks like he ought to be a high school senior, not for lack of effort. But, uh, you know, a friend of mine texted me this morning and talked about, you know, could, could anybody uh, present an, an IQ form of, of transition next year, you know, who who might be the next Emmanuel quickly going from year one to year two. I don't know if that's Devin Askew. Got to think though, Chris, he's going to get better. Yeah, for sure. Over the last decade, 
Kentucky fans have forgotten what a typical freshman looks like. Yes. You know, in the early in the early 2000s, you take a guy like Desmond Allison or uh, a Gerald Fitch in their freshman seasons at Kentucky. For the most part, they just showed flashes. It wasn't like they ca- they came in and they were superstars overnight and and were leaders of the team. Those guys showed some flashes. They did some good things that made you say, "Hey, this guy could be pretty good next year or you know two years from now." And and that's the thing. That's the thing with with Devin Askew. If you're a Kentucky fan, you can't have it both ways. You can't have uh, you know. John Calipari recruit the one and done superstars and say, well, I wish you recruited more multi-year guys. Yep. And then when guys aren't superstars as freshmen say, boy, he, you know, he really missed on this guy or, or, or that guy. But Devin Askew has the tools to be a very good college player. He's just not ready right now. And some of this is not his fault. He's been thrown into uh, the fire at point guard and he just, frankly just was not ready i wonder too about the future whether it's here or elsewhere lance Ware. i mean a guy who was seeing significant time early and just has not been able to crack the current rotation i I think a a lot of that is due to the emergence of isaiah jackson and and how much better he's been playing uh, in in recent weeks, and and Lance Ware is another guy who uh, just simply isn't ready. Now he fights and plays with as much energy as anyone on the floor, but mm-hmm. especially when Kentucky has the ball offensively, when he's on the floor, it just seems like the the court just absolutely shrinks because you're basically playing four on five. But as an energy guy, as an effort guy, I really appreciate what uh, he's brought to the table. But he's just another guy who's who's just not ready. Yeah. Well, I've got about 30 seconds left, so what what do you see in the uh, the SEC tournament, Chris? Maybe a win until they run into Alabama, or will they even win one? <laughs> I think it's anybody's guess. I mean, John Calipari said it best last night. This team can beat anybody, and they can lose to anybody. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a total crapshoot as to, <laughs> to which team we see uh, in Nashville. Absolutely correct. Always a pleasure to talk to Chris Fisher. You can follow him, of course, at catchpaws.com and on Twitter at ChrisFisher247. He's part of the 247 Sports Network. Chris, have a great day, buddy. Good talking to you. Thanks. You too, Gabe. Take care. All right. And when we come back, we will chat with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And if you would like to chime in, you can tweet at me, Big Blue Insider 1. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Dick Aberlin for the voice of the Wildcats. The birthday boy took the day off. Can't blame him a bit. Let us go back to the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline where we find Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And uh, Kyle had a chance to chat with you. Was it last Wednesday or a couple Wednesdays ago filling in for Tom? And it seems like. We're talking about the same thing, you know, another Kentucky loss, and what was it this time? And, uh, you know, it's it, Chris Fisher just called it Groundhog Day. Do you get the same feeling? Yeah, I mean, what more is there to say at this yeah. point? It, you know, with, with the exception of a couple of sort of glimpses of them looking like a real team, uh, you know, they've had two, three-game winning streaks. Um, I mean, those, those, that's, that's it. That's, those are the, the moments we've, we've 
had all year to think maybe they will, you know, become something. And every time that happens, uh, they almost immediately tank. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's much more to say. I mean, they're, they've, it's been the case for a while now that they've got to win the SEC tournament to get in. Um, I think there was at least some some hope for the last few weeks that they could still kind of gel by the end and get that done. It's hard to imagine that now. Uh, I mean, I just – watching them last night, and I think probably the most concerning thing, if you're if, – if you want to – point to something is that they just got absolutely bullied yeah um and watching that happen get crushed on the boards get pushed around in the paint get dominated inside by another team's uh, big man um you know not be able to come up with any of the key rebounds at the end of the game i i, I just can't see i can't see a way they win four games in four days yeah. they haven't won four games in a row all year um even when you have days in between to, that, to think that a team that's got so few really Kentucky-level players right now mm-hmm. um, could sustain itself for four day, you know, four games and four days at a high enough level to win the SEC tournament, especially expecting that by the semifinals and certainly the finals, you're going to have have to face somebody really good, and they may they may run into Alabama now. They're in the eight eight right. nine slot right now. They may hit Alabama in their second day. Yeah. Um, and so, what more is there to say about this team except this is this is a lost season, and Cal Perry and company have got to do a lot of soul searching, and should probably already be doing it um, about how how to not let this happen next year. Exactly, and you were one of the first people to write about that uh, on on the Athletic to say, look, this this season is essentially done. Let's look ahead to next year. Uh, and it's it's going to be I don't know if it'll be a completely different uh, roster, but it's I think if in reading everything you've written, what you're saying is it has to be a different kind of team, doesn't it? Yeah, and it better it better not be a whole new roster because right. you know part of the reason you got here in the first place. Um, and you know I've also said for a while now, Cal Perry better be doing everything he can right now, not wait till after the season's over. It better be happening as we speak, putting bugs in ears of guys like Davion Mintz and Keon Brooks. Please come back yep. for us and for you. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you know, if you could get Keon back and you could get Davion Mintz back and you get, you, you expect you're going to get Jacob Toppin back, who's, I think, you know, been a little bit of a bright spot. He started to be a real contributor. He's playing more than he should. He played 30 minutes last night. He's not He's not a guy they ever thought they'd need for 30 minutes a game, but could be a really nice role player for them, and he seems to be developing. You know, then you've got something. Um, but if not, you know, if, 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 if this is a total rebuild again, then it's going to be a total disaster again. Uh, I think if you can get a core of these guys back and, and hungry to – have a much better experience, but also infuse that with some new talent. I do really like Damian Collins, who they have coming in. I'm increasingly high on Nolan Hickman. I mean, he's a guy who blew up a little bit as a senior and became a McDonald's All-American. He's got a little Shea Gilgis-Alexander in him and that he's not a burner to get by people, but he's crafty to get by people, and they've really missed that this year, a guy who can get by somebody, um, you know, get by his man. But they don't have enough right now. They're going to have to go, I think, all in on trying to get one of these last few recruits. And I think especially they're going to have to really be doing their research on transfer options 
because yeah. they've got to get some guys who can step in and play and who can make shots and get buckets from day one next year. Well, I think they've already done that, obviously, with a young man from West Virginia. Uh, they, they seem like they're, at least in that spot, they're set when it comes to an experienced player who's not going to get bullied. Yeah, and that's a big deal, too. I mean, you, you know you've got a guy, you know, a big, strong, physically mature guy who will be a, a junior in college who's practicing with you right now. Yeah. I, I should have mentioned him as well. That's a big deal. And then you're going to pair him with that young, upper-end, high-potential freshman in Damian Collins who's long and bouncy and, you know, can, can, do, you know, can be a terrific help-side blocker. Um, I, think, I think they feel pretty good about the front court, especially if you have Keon Brooks back, yeah. and, you know, and, and Toppin and Ware. Uh, it, it's, that's not going to be the concern, I don't think, at all next season. But, you know, what, are, what kind of firepower are you going to put out there on the perimeter, are you going to change your philosophy a little bit? I mean, Cal even joked on the post-game radio show last night that you know that their fans probably know they're the worst two-point shooting team in America. They actually are. They're the worst high major two-point shooting team in America, percentage-wise. Wow. And they're like 326th or something overall in Division One yeah. in two-point percentage. And yet this team continues to take low-value long twos. Yeah. Um, you know, is Cal going to adjust his approach? You know, we saw a thing come out this week where Nate Oates at Alabama actually tapes the floor with zones of shooting, and they have little mini scrimmages where the two-point jump shot is worth the least of all the shots on the floor. <laughs> you know, he's and he and so you can look at their season shot chart what, where they're taking shots, and they've essentially eliminated the mid-range shot from their game. They they get shots at the rim, or they take threes. Yeah. And they won the SEC comfortably. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to use this name in, in his presence, in Calipari's presence, but there was a young Rick Patino in 1986 who uh, latched onto the three-pointer before anybody else did in college basketball. And his players were told, either in the paint or beyond the arc, and otherwise we don't want that shot, and took him to the Final Four. When we come back, the more was, I mean, <laughs> what's that? It saved the program. Yes, absolutely. Um, more with Kyle know, Tucker so when we, we are come again. back. We, that, that's the thing, too. One thing I would say to people that are frustrated with Cal Perry, and I think it's totally viable to be frustrated with how this season has gone because ultimately building the roster and deploying the talent is is him. Yeah. He built this team, and he's decided how to use them, and it's everything he's tried has failed. And he can put it on the players for, well, I tell them this, and they go out of the timeout and don't do it. These are the guys you brought here. If they yeah. didn't have any basketball sense, that's some background work you should have done. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I, it's totally fair to be frustrated with Cal right now. But the other piece of that, I would say, is he has innovated his entire career. Uh, and, and when he's had to sort of reinvent and, buy, and, and sort of dive into a thing that other people aren't, he has. I mean, yeah. he took Riley Welch's dad, a, a Memphis Grizzlies assistant at the time when Cal was at Memphis. Cal was kind of scuttling along the first three years at Memphis. His offense didn't look very good. He, Riley Welch's dad introduced him to Vance Wahlberg, a junior college coach from California oh, who yeah. had this crazy yeah. dribble-drive offense. And, and over dinner, Cal decided, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and that Memphis program took off. Got to get to a break. Back with Kyle Tucker and- more on the Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back, Dick Gabriel, sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. We're chatting with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic on the Kentucky Hemp Works 
hotline, and we're talking about really the future of Kentucky basketball because the immediate future, not too bright with the SEC tournament coming up. Uh, Kyle, will you get to go to that event? The SEC tournament? Yeah, I'll yeah. be there. Uh, yep. I, uh, it, it's convenient for me this year. Good, yeah. <laughs> now that I live in, that's now right. that I live in Nashville, but, uh, yep, that's the plan. Um, be interesting to see how long Kentucky's here with me, but, uh, <laughs> but I will be there. And uh, how do you see it playing out? Is it, it's not going to be, we know the Alabama invitational, but, uh, you know, you, as we all know, if Kentucky is not the overwhelming favorite, it's, it's kind of hard to figure this one out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would, I think I would predict uh, Alabama right now. Um, I think I would also predict a short stay for Kentucky at this yeah. point. Um, I, I just, like I said, I just don't see it. Um, but it would be interesting. I mean, the thing that the only advantage to Kentucky potentially being in that 8-9 game, uh, which right now would be, I think, uh, Kentucky and Mississippi State are tied for eight in the standings. Um, and they've already beaten Mississippi State um, on the road. So uh, I think they could get past that one. But the only advantage of having Alabama as early as the second game would be that if you knock them off, then you, you've got, you know, yeah. you're, you're sort of in the one-seat <laughs> path to try to get to the final. Uh, and then also that, you know, you have played them twice. It's hard to beat a team three times. Maybe you've got a sense for how to play them now. They played them much closer the second time um, already this season. So <clears throat> I don't know. I, I uh, it would be really interesting if Kentucky could knock off Alabama on the second day, just because it would build some buzz that maybe it ha- maybe it could happen. Also, Alabama doesn't have a ton. I don't think to play for. I don't. They can't. I don't think they can get to a one seed. I don't think they fall really if they lose. Um, you know, they've put together a nice body of work all year, and I think they're probably solidly in that 2-3 line. So um, maybe they're not as motivated. But uh, beyond that and the rest of the bracket, it feels like LSU's picked up some steam here lately. Hmm. Um, that's a team that early in the season was struggling a little bit, and I mean, Kentucky beat them handily uh, at Rupp Arena. It, it was hard for me to see how, why they would be struggling because they are they are a very talented team. Um, and then I think the other one to watch is uh, probably would be my co-favorite right now would be Arkansas. They've yeah. they've caught fire. They they ran South Carolina out of the building last night. Not not that that's saying much. South Carolina is not good, um, but they've kind of caught fire. Nate Oates and, and Eric Musselman to me are the two guys that are the most impressive. You know, newcomers to the league, uh, and they're not coincidentally one two in the league. They're also names that if Cal. John Calipari left any time in the next two or three years mm-hmm. from Kentucky would be at the very top of my list for if I was Mitch Barnhart to call and get in here and um, take a look at. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, Oates has kind of rejiggered uh, the college basketball, at least in the SEC with the, the 3-and-D approach like the NBA. What is Musselman doing out there? Well, one thing I like about him, he plays – pretty fast paced and wide open as well but one of the things i like about him is is about more about the roster construction he's a guy who won big at nevada he he leaned way into into transfers out there i mean at one point i think you know when they had one of their 30 win seasons half the roster was you know high major transfers from all over the place 
Um, and now that he's at Arkansas, he's able to do a little bit of both. And, and we've seen him not only get um, really good impact transfers, two or three guys on the current team are, you know, guys who came from elsewhere. they got a 7-3 kid who can shoot threes, as Kentucky knows all too well. Um, but also um, sign a top-10 recruiting class. You know, and he's got, I mean, you want to talk about electric freshmen, and Kentucky's kind of been missing that with the exception of Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Moses Moody is, is fantastic yeah. for them and has really, he's another guy that's really starting to catch fire. If you want to look for a name that everybody will know by the end of the SEC and, and maybe a first weekend of the NCAA tournament that college basketball fans don't really know right now, Moses Moody would be probably on that list for me. You are juggling the NFL and your duties covering Kentucky. And uh, just a quick question about football. Those are going to intersect here pretty soon when it comes to the NFL draft. Uh, and a couple of players from uh, Mark Stoops' team, which I think may at the beginning of this season might have surprised people that uh, Kelvin Joseph and Jamin Davis now are, are possible first or second round draft picks. Yeah, I mean, it's probably less surprising with Kelvin Joseph um, just because he was a high-end kid coming out of high school, yeah. and, and I think there was a lot expected of him. Um, you know, there are some obvious, you know, attitude <laughs> questions. I'm, I'm curious sort of how that's been handled as he's gone through the, the interview process. But uh, Jamin Davis is an incredible story, and, I mean, it just adds to the – it adds to the list of these guys as they're trying to sell top defensive guys. I think it's get, it gets easier and easier when you have stories like Josh Allen, you yeah. know, two-star Monmouth recruit becoming a top ten pick, and and you know, Jamin Davis was not some blue chip recruit and, and really didn't do a lot for the early part of his Kentucky career, and, and then blew up and looks every bit the part of an NFL player now. Um, I, I would say as as much as Mark Stoops and that staff have recruited above what we've ever seen before at Kentucky. The development piece may get overlooked a little bit yes. because they've really also just tremendously developed some guys um, who are, have achieved beyond what anyone would have predicted for them coming in. So I think that um, that certainly says a lot for them and, and has put them in position where we're seeing them sign. I mean, last year they signed, what was it? I believe the, the second or third best defensive line class in all yes. of college football. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing those top end guys want to come, come be part of that now. Cause you've got an NFL kind of pedigree with this coaching staff. No question. And you walk into Mark Stoops, office. If you're a recruit and you see a mural on the wall outside his office of, of the top draft picks he has coached throughout his career. So obviously that will have an effect and a good one, and uh, it's going to be fun to see. And, yeah, they, they talk about identify and then develop uh, the recruit, the, uh, the talent, and they've done a great job. So Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, I urge you to uh, follow him on theathletic.com, and you can tailor-make that site with your favorite teams, and uh, you get great writers from all over the country there. Kyle, thank you so much. And uh, I know that uh, whatever happens, you're ready for March Madness. It's always fun, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, brother. See you, bud. Back with more of the Leach Report when we come back from the Clark Pump and Shop studio. Stay with us.
get to a radio, you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach here in our final segment. And a reminder that the stories we talk about today on the show are available on the uh, Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. And I did want to bring up one more story for you involving U.K. sports. And that, of course, is that Ryan Howard has been named the SEC Player of the Year for the second straight season by the league women's basketball coaches. Another record-breaking season for the top 20 Wildcats under uh, Ryan Howard. First team all-conference, of course, and joined on the league honors list by the senior guard Chastity Patterson, who was named to the SEC all-defensive team. It's the second conference honor for Patterson last year. She was named the SEC's sixth woman of the year. So Ryan Howard in the run for in the running for the Naismith National Award. So she will lead her Wildcats into the SEC tournament. Unfortunately, that loss to Ole Miss means they miss out on the double bye. They will play either Auburn or Florida tomorrow at 1 p.m. down in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, Darren Hedrick will have the call for you. Uh, so check your local listings if you want to listen to the Wildcats in the SEC tournament, the women's tournament. And because Darren is on the road now, uh, yours truly will sit in tonight on radio side, when, or this afternoon, I should say, when the baseball Wildcats take on Evansville. The Purple Aces are in town as Kentucky looks to run its record to six straight. You'll see that one on SEC Plus with Jeff Pecoro and Doug Flynn. So uh, if you want to listen and watch, well, we're good with that because, you know, we're next door to each other when it comes to Kentucky Proud Park. Uh, but anyhow, the baseball Wildcats off to a good start as well, and that's a 4 o'clock start this afternoon. And they've got a, a big weekend series coming up as well with Ball State. Our thanks again to our guest, Chris Fisher of 247 Sports and the Cat's Paws, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Once again, happy birthday, Mr. Leach. You've been listening to The Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. 